that it, it was counted to Abraham as righteousness because he trusted God. See? So it's no longer mystical. It's no longer way out there, out of reach, or anything like that. It becomes very simple. So you just decide, God, I trust you. And it's amazing. It's amazing to see what God does with that little thing and blows it up and you see so many wonderful things. So we don't just teach about healing, we teach about prophecy and the full counsel of God. Because sometimes when you're on the streets especially, and you walk up to somebody, they might not need healing. But a word of knowledge <coughs> breaks down the walls, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. A word of prophecy breaks down the walls. It's like, oh, so you're having issues with your mom. How did you know that? You know, and it's like, well, God told me that about you. Don't you think he cares? Oh, yes. Well, let's pray. And you see, God just completely goes straight to the heart of people and begins to change them from the inside out. So what's the difference between then and now? Because now we've seen over 10 meetings where everybody in the meetings healed. They leave completely healed, no matter what it is. If they're paralyzed, if they're blind, if they're deaf, if they had cerebral palsy, it doesn't matter. Because God is healing. Right? So I'm going to share with you some things today that God started teaching me about him and his nature. Because if we go to the New Testament and we look at everything Jesus taught his disciples, he never said, I'm going to teach you healing. I'm going to teach you how to prophesy. I'm going to teach you how to do any of these things, right? What did he teach them? Do you know? What did he teach his disciples? To trust him. The gospel of the kingdom. To trust him, yes. He preached the gospel of the kingdom, yes he did. But with his disciples, it's very interesting. He only taught and trained them on the very nature of God. He kept telling them over and over, God is good. Well, you are good. No, 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 no. Only he is good. Right? Isn't that what he said? He rebuked them for saying that? So he was telling them, God is good. If you, if you ask God for bread, he's not going to give you a stone. If you ask him for fish, he's not going to give you a serpent. So he was pointing to them saying, look at God. Don't view him through a lens that he's partially good and partially evil. But look at him that he is completely good. Okay, because when you begin to see God that way, it destroys all the traditions of men, all the sacred cows, and everything else that hinder you from walking out your destiny in Christ. Right? Think about it. If you knew, like if you just know that God has the best intentions for you, period. He doesn't think bad thoughts about you. He only thinks good thoughts about you. Right? We can go to Jeremiah 29, 11. We can go to Psalms 139. This is how God thinks. This is his nature. He's not in his nature, excuse me, it's not in his nature to think negativity. He's an ultimate optimist. Right? Because God is good. So what's happened in the church is in the church, we've adopted the philosophy of yin and yang. Right? In all good, there's a little bit of evil. In all evil, there's a little bit of good. Right? Well, God's teaching them something by them having a sickness. Well, if God's teaching them something by having a sickness, then he's being 
and respect their persons, and we should all pray for sickness so we can all learn something. <laughs> right? Wow. If we follow that, follow that logic, so, yeah. then we should all pray for sickness so we can all learn what God's trying to teach them. But that's not God. That's just human logic trying to justify a lack of result, a lack of responsibility, a lack of, of power. Okay? So when you begin to realize and you begin to see the goodness of God, that God is healer. And because he's healer, he's 100% healer 100% of the time. There's no partiality in God. I can take you to the scriptures in the Old Testament and scriptures in the New Testament. I found over 13. Okay? And they all say there's no partiality in God. So what he does for one, he does for all. Okay? So let's look at Exodus 15, 26. So this is the first instance of God talking about him being healer. Right? He goes, I am the God who heals me. That's what he says. And so if you read above it, you might say, well, Anthony, you're wrong. He says, look, God put these sicknesses on him, but it's not what it says. If you talk to any scholar, they will tell you it doesn't say put, it says permit. Because they were in sin, he permitted the sickness to come upon them. So now he's saying, I will not permit the sicknesses that come upon you that came upon the Egyptians. You see a difference? It's a major difference. But the next thing he says is, for I am the Lord, your healer. I am Jehovah Ruth. Ra. Right? So this is the way he's saying about himself. It wasn't Moses' idea. It wasn't the Israelites' idea. Whose idea was it? It was God's. He was revealing his character and his nature, saying, this is who I am. And if we read, we can see Exodus 23, 25. It says, And you shall serve the Lord your God, and he will bless your bread and your water, and I will take sickness away from among you. Now, this is something that's not taught in churches. But there should be no sick people in churches today. You know why? Because Jesus said himself, healing is the children's bread. Divine health is the children's bread. Interesting, huh? So you begin to realize the devil's been lying to us so long. We've been believing his lies for so long. We allow him to rob us openly. Okay? So let's continue on. And we can see it all through the Old Testament, Deuteronomy 7, 15, uh, Psalms 103, 1 through 5. And it says uh, in verse 3, who forgives all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases. So we see over and over, and I can just, I can go through the Old, Old Testament, I can pull out over 50 scriptures saying that God heals. Right? And then we get to the New Testament because I'm like, okay, how does it apply to us today? Because it says we have a better covenant with better promises. Through Christ Jesus, right? You know what I'm talking about? Yes? Yeah? Yeah? Okay, following me? I want to make sure you're following me. And so I found this manual I'm putting together. I'm going to be releasing it for free online. Um, and you can see, I found over 20 scriptures where it says Jesus healed them all. He healed them all. He healed them all. He healed them all. 
And then you see Acts 10, 38. It says, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power, and he went about doing good and healing all who were pressed to the devil. Right? He healed them all. When he sent out his disciples, did he say, go try to heal the sick? Did he? No. He said, heal the sick. So what was their understanding when they went out? That they had the power given to them. They had the authority to do something. Okay, that's what has been taught. But that's not actually what it says. And we'll get into that in a second. So you see, the word, did you know there's five words for power in, in the New Testament? Five words for power, you mentioned two. You, knew, you mentioned dunamis and exousia. The only two words people talk about in church today. But there's five in the, in the New Testament. So exousia means a right to rule, authority, right? You have the authority to rule over an area, okay? Dunamis, we'll come back to in a second. The third one is energia, raw energy, electricity, power, right? So you would think that would be what's talking about in Acts 1 It's not it. So we're doing this. The fourth one is called iscus. Iscus means an overcoming power, an overcoming force. So if like my brother and I, we sit here and we arm wrestle, he'd probably beat me, right? So he would have an overcoming force, an overcoming might, right? So he'd have the iscus over me. You see it? Okay. So the fifth one is called Kratos. Kratos. And you can find all these in Ephesians 1, 19-22. Okay. So Kratos is the power of dominion. Oh, no wonder nobody brings that one up. Hmm. Because then what's Acts 1-8 about if it's all about dominion and authority? Hmm. So what does dunamis mean? Dunamis means an inherent power by virtue of a thing or a person's nature. So what does that mean? That means because of my nature, I do these things. So look at what it's saying about God. It says you will receive dunamis when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. So what's the importance of being, it's, it's to be a witnesses, being witnesses of Jesus Christ, right? So what makes you a witness? Is it the power or is it the Holy Spirit? It's the Holy Spirit. It's not the power. We've been looking at it backwards. We've been looking for the power instead of the fruit of the Spirit and the Holy Spirit so that we can see exactly what God is saying and what he's, he's actually exemplifying. Because what God is saying is, look, I am putting my spirit in you. I'm putting my very nature in you. Oh, no kidding. She decided to sit on the floor, I guess. <laughs> it's okay, we'll pray for her. She'll be here. <laughs> but if you look at what, what Jesus is doing, what God did through Acts 1-8, is he put his Holy Spirit in us, and he, 2 Peter 1-4, look it up, it says, by his great and precious promises, he made us partakers of a divine nature. 
So when you begin to look at this, what I'm painting, I'm painting a picture for you. I'm, I'm getting to the point. So if we go to 1 John 1, verse 5, chapter 1, verse 5, it says, This has been our testimony from the beginning, that God is light, and in him dwells no darkness. No darkness at all in him. He's 100%, right? This is amazing, because if you really understand that, when the sun comes up, can any darkness stick around? No. No. It can't. Does it have to struggle and strive and use dominion and authority over darkness? No. <coughs> no. Why does it have dominion and authority? Because it's light. It is being true to its nature. You see this? So it's being true to its nature. So God, who is healer 100% of the time, he comes and puts his nature in us. He lives in us. He abides in us. We are in him. He's in us. Right? 1 Corinthians 6, 17 says we become joined as one unto the Lord. It says he who is, oh, I'm like missing quote right here. Um, he who is joined to the Lord has become one spirit with the Lord. That's what it says. Okay? And then it explains 1 John 4, 17. Right? As he is, so are we on this world, in this world, today. Not in the future, today. It doesn't say as he was, it says as he is. Right? So it's in his glorified state, which we can read in Ephesians uh, 119, says that Jesus is at the right hand of the Father. Right? And then Ephesians 2 6 says, We are with Jesus seated at the right hand of the Father. And you begin to see, okay, there's something here. So what we've been taught and the lies and everything that we believed is when God moves inside of us, we taint God. Right? Think about it. Well, it's because, you know, you're, you're not perfect. You're, you know, you have flaws. You're going to make mistakes. And we focus on the wrong thing instead of focus on the very nature of God. Who is Jesus Christ? How do I know that? Hebrews 1.3. It says Jesus is the exact imprint of God's nature. Yes. The exact imprint, not a copy. The exact imprint of his nature. So the fullness of his nature abides in Christ Jesus, who now lives in you, lives in me. So it's no longer I'm trying to come over here and heal a person and force healing out of me because I desire more than God does. Come on, let's be real. It's God's desire. So you have to remove your soul out of the way. What am I talking about? I'm talking about you thinking you have to pray a certain way, that you have to raise your voice, you have to lower your voice, you have to do certain things to make something happen because it's not you. It's the nature of God in you. It's very simple. So it's this understanding that we walked into hospitals in India and, and emptied the hospitals three days in a row. Everybody gone. So when we went back the next day, I have pictures, I can show you. I, have, I, have, I can tell you every single story. It sticks out in your mind. As soon as it's a picture, I can tell you exactly what happened, what the person was healed of, 
and they were released the next day. And then they would bring in a whole new fresh crop of people for us to pray for. <laughs> so we go in, we lay hands on them, they get completely healed. These aren't Christians. These are Hindus. These are Muslims. Seeing the power of God, they're giving their lives to Christ in an instant. Because they're seeing the, the, the demonstration of God's love for them. And if they're a Catholic, they're like, okay, pray for me and heal me. It's like, no, no, no. Understand this. I cannot heal you. I didn't give my son to die for you. To take the beating for you. Because I want them to understand it's not me healing them. It's a good God. It's Jesus Christ healing them. And it's already been paid for. And it's already done. And the only thing I'm doing is standing in as his representative and just showing them the love of God. Is that hard to do? No. No. Look, let me show you how, how hard it is. Did you miss that? No. I'll do it again. I'll do it again. Right? It's, it's very easy. It's very simple. But... Because we've been taught, well, you have to make sure you pray the right thing. What if you, you come against something that, you know, is, is a principality or something? It's like, are you kidding me? It says we're seated in heavenly places far above all principalities, all powers, right? Yes. With Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. So that means everything else is below us. Right. Why are we pulling up that stuff and putting it next to us and saying we're on the same level? When it's under our feet. Then you begin to understand, oh my gosh. And if, if I ever want the Father's here, I'm sitting at his right hand. All I have to just say, Father. Boom. Yes. Right? Yeah, right. Then you begin to understand John 1, 5. I mean, John chapter 5. Because it says we have this confidence in God that we know that he hears us. And because he hears us, we have the answers we ask him. There's nothing between us and God and Father anymore. So the old school mindset, the old religious mindset is, I'm here to represent people to God. That's the way it was in the Old Testament. That's not the New Testament. New Testament, we represent God to people. That makes a huge difference. Because we're not trying to gain acceptance and, and, and please Him. Or anything like that anymore because we're perfectly pleasing him by what? Being in Christ Jesus. Right? How many other people you find in scripture that says, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased? Nobody. Just Jesus. So if you're in him, you already please him. You already please the Father. So it's no longer struggling and striving to gain acceptance, to be accepted, or, or to gain healing or power or anything like that. It's, it's already been given to you because the word for salvation actually means to be made whole. And this is why, like, Leonard Ravenhill and all these other guys, they say, well, what are you saved from? You say you're saved from, what are you saved from drugs? You saved from pornography? You saved from this? What are you saved from? So when you realize exactly that, that God has made you whole, you're not lacking anything, and it's out of the abundance of his love, it's out of the abundance of his character abiding in us, shed abroad in our hearts, with that overflow, we begin to love others. 
So you see, this changes everything. I can tell you, it changed it all for me. Because I had some failures. I, even though I was seeing in the 70s to 90% healing, I still had failures. And they were hard to swallow. Lost Daisy's cousin. Lost a three-year-old little girl. Lost, you know, people. I'm talking about they died. They died on me. I was praying for them. Did they get better? Yes, they got better. I ran out of time. So I said, God, how do I go back and how do I be more effective? How do I see tumors disappear under my hand? And he took me back and he started showing me. He goes, Anthony, this is who I am. I'm healer, 100% healer, all the time. And I started realizing I was getting in the way. I was trying to heal the person. I was trying to do it out of my own strength, out of my own intellect, violating what Scripture says in Proverbs 3. Lean not into your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him, and he will direct your path. Right? So we're in Brazil. We're seeing everybody on the street healed in an instant. I mean, amazing stuff. It's, it's becoming fun. We're kind of playing with it a little bit, right? And so we have a healing service. And there's this pastor that comes who hadn't been for, there for the teaching and the training. And he goes up. And I said, okay, you're going to help me pray for people. So some guy came up. He had a torn ligament in his ankle. Doctors couldn't do surgery. So they doomed him to a life full of pain in his ankle. You ever had a paper cut? Right? Think about that. Imagine having a paper cut for the rest of your life. It's annoying. Mm -hmm. It hurts. Right? That's something small. Imagine a ligament in your ankle. This is where this guy was at. <coughs> so I said, okay. I said, Pastor, you're going to go ahead and pray for him? This is all I want you to say. This is all I want you to say. Grab his hands and say, be healed in Jesus' name. That simple. And well, then you let go, okay? And he's like, okay. I go, you understand? He said, yes. I understand. I'm speaking to him through a translator, so it takes a little time. So he grabs the guy's hands, and he prays for two and a half minutes, the most religious prayer you could ever hear. And I was like, are you kidding me? It should have taken three seconds, if that. Be healed in Jesus' name. How many seconds was that? Two? Right? Five tops, if you speak slowly. And I was like, this guy's going on for two and a half minutes. I'm, I'm pacing back and forth. I'm starting to get 